Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, to the fourth chapter. And if you're a guest, we want to say welcome and We know that there's a lot of people that come and visit family during the holiday Christmas season. And so you may not be here next week or the next week as we're in a new series and we're doing Christmas, if you will, sort of after Christmas, which truth be told, history tells us that's actually how the church celebrated Christmas. It's actually topsy-turvy to what we do today and hence why we've chose to flip the script on Christmas in this church. And I really believe in the weeks ahead for all of you celebrators, I think you're going to love the fact and enjoy the fact of coming to the church and it's still Christmas. Trust me on it. I think something's going to happen that's going to be quite special. Twas the day after Christmas and all through the house, every creature was hurting, (laughs) even our mouse. The toys were all broken, the batteries all dead, the joy and the laughter, well, seems more like dread. Wrapping and ribbons just covered the floor, boxes and bags and so much more. And I in my t-shirt, new Reeboks and jeans, I went into the kitchen and I started to clean. Sort of feels like that, doesn't it, sometimes? And I want you to catch this phrase and why we're flipping the script on Christmas And I want you to know, and I'll preface it this way, my hope was never to mess up anyone's plans. Now be careful that you don't just shout out, well, you already did that, Pastor. That was not my hope. My hope was not at all to mess up anyone's plans, but just maybe, watch this, our plans were actually already messed up. Let me say it again. My hope was not to mess up anyone's plans, but just maybe our plans were already messed up. That for a thought, that something I'm asking and inviting you to ponder is that maybe the way we've been doing Christmas was actually not the way that God wanted Christmas to be celebrated in the first place. And maybe there is something about our human nature that we sort of like control, we just don't want to admit it. We don't like change unless the change is in our favor. And anytime something comes along and takes away our control or makes about a change that sort of upsets our lives, our natural tendency is to grab hold of what we think rather than really stop and pray about what does God really want. There's something about the fact that without sounding negative, Somewhere we're going to have to, if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, it's a word we don't use much anymore here is the word Christian. I don't like the word. And I think for the most part, I'm not sure that Christ does either because I'm not sure what it means anymore. It's amazing to me how many people love Christian and yet say I am one and yet can drop the F-bomb during the week and run around and be anxious about traffic as everybody's there to serve them and nothing seems to change. I don't think that's what it meant. The word Christian was never a label that God's people came up with. 
In fact, they were known as the way, but the word Christian is only used in the Bible three times, and all three references were the lost people describing who they were. You remind me of Christ. It was never something that they took on. It was something that everybody else described them as. You are like Jesus. And my question to you is, would the people you work with say that about you? You remind me of Jesus. Because that's really the reality and the true test of, are we really understanding Christmas? It was never about us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Christmas was all about God's heart, not ours. And yet there's something that we do play in the story, and it's to that that I want to talk about. And so maybe the way we've been doing it needed the script to be flipped for us to pause for a moment. And rather than us being defensive or offensive, we stop for a moment and go, wait a minute, God, what do you want me to learn? Because the American church people, please hear this. As a pastor, this is how I am approaching this church. The pandemic for me, despite, if you will, losses and the hurt and that, I'm not saying that in light of that, but for me, it was a wake-up call. It was for me as a pastor to say, if we keep doing what we're doing, whether we like this or not, and by the way, older generation, you shouldn't be thinking, well, thank God I'm going to die soon and I'll leave it to the next generation. That is not the way we should be thinking. As long as you have breath, you and I are held responsible. But somewhere we better face the fact of this. If we keep doing church the way we've been doing it in about the next two decades, the American church will be completely erased. It's on a decline. The younger people don't want to go to church anymore. It's time for us to realize we've got to look at some things different. And that's why it was a wake-up call for me to stop and go, wait a minute. Maybe we need to ask God, God, what is it you have for us that we don't really function out of a tradition or something we've known, but God, make it fresh, which means it might be completely brand new, but that's okay. And hence why we just chose to flip the script on Christmas, to do it just a little bit different and see if maybe God would speak in a way if we're willing to listen. Now listen to this very carefully. I'll say it again. My hope was not to mess up anyone's plans, but just maybe our plans were actually already messed up. Now let me tell you about messes, because we're all going to have them in this week ahead, okay? Especially if you have a real tree. Anybody have a real tree? Anybody have a real tree? Well, everybody's like, what's that? <laughs> all right. <laughs> you buy them out back of Menards, not in the boxes, okay, with the Christmas decorations. But we actually had one once. And if you've had them, you know what messes are. Because there's something about the fact that even though you water them. I, I, by the way, humorous story, it's not in here. When we were growing up, we had a little dog named Tuffy. It was a little trawa. I always love that. Have you ever noticed that trawas think that they're actually God's gift to all other dogs? And they like own everything. And this little dog was a yipper dog. But it felt like it was the toughest thing in the block. So hence it's named Tuffy. And the first time we brought a real tree home, the dog thought it was for him. You know, and the first thing it did, we set up the tree and the dog walked up and peed on it. I mean, it was just great. And we thought it was cool as boys because we were like, wow, now we don't even have to water it. The dog's going to take care of it for us. But, but when you get a real tree, you know how it works over time. 
Eventually, no matter how much you water it, the needles begin to fall, right? And so let me tell you about messes. Some messes we all know is to be true, can't be fixed. Is that fair? Some messes can't be fixed. Some messes can be. Some messes do require the help of others. Is that fair? But please don't miss this. There's one mess that will require the help of only one. And that's the mess we are. And as I start this message, I'm going to caution the fact that this is going to feel a little negative. And I'm saddened by that because I've actually had some people come up and say, Pastor, you need to just be positive. Tell us how good we are. And I literally looked at him and said, I can't. Because the Bible says there's nothing good in us. That's the problem in America because we don't talk about mess. We like success. That's what we like to focus on. And that's what we like to chase. And we can chase it, but our success is still a mess. And I hope you hear that. So when I launch in this message, we need to understand Christmas is really because of a Christ mess, us being that mess. And I want to help with that as I begin. So hang in there with me because I want to show you hope and why God so loved the world and he came. But we've got to set up the picture. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to begin the 17th verse. And I want you to notice what it says. I'm actually going to read verse 16. So it sets up and we'll come in and you can see it on the screen and follow along with me if you'd like. I'm reading from the TNIV, the Today New, if you will, international version. Verse 16 says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. This is Jesus, as was his custom. I want you to catch that again. And so Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, where he grew up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to church. That was his custom. When people say to me that, The church was a man thing that we established and it really wasn't that important. Folks, again, I don't know what Bible you read, but Jesus set in motion and established something that was very important to God and the gathering of God's people is very important to God. That's why he gave us six days, which I think is an incredibly generous God. He gave us six days to do our business, but he said, listen, you won't make it beyond that. You need a seventh and that day needs to be for me. That you step away from your world, your life, your wants, your woes, your games, all of that stuff. And you need to gather with other believers. You're going to need it. Because you can never do it alone. It's not about you. You're part of a body. The eye can't say the foot, I don't need you. The foot can't say the hand. No one can say, I don't need you. We all need each other. So I want you to look at someone right now and say, I need you. Come on, go look at them. It's probably the person you're married to. And if... You're the wife, you look back and say, I know, I know you desperately need me, okay? But the fact is, we desperately need each other. Even outside of our marriage, outside of our families, we need the family of God. And the Bible says right here that Jesus on the Sabbath went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. Now watch this, verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. 
unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And of course, Jesus being the fulfillment. Notice what Jesus came to do. Notice what Jesus came to do. And it's my hope as we wrap up this service with communion, I'm going to do something that will link Christmas and Easter and the fullness, the fullness of what it truly means to be in Christ. So I want to look at four keys to Christmas. And if you got your notes, take them out. Here's the first one. We're a mess. It's about our mess. The first thing you need to understand, the reason that God so loved the world and came is because you and I are in serious trouble. And so I want you to own it. I want you to say it. I want you to say, I'm a mess. Come on, ready? I'm a mess. You know, I read a story this past week that I thought was humorous. I think you'll appreciate it as well. It was written by a woman who wanted to make a change. Now, it's written by a woman who wanted to make a change. Now, she was talking about a physical change. Here's what she wrote in her own words. In dire need of a beauty makeover, I went to my salon with a fashion magazine showing him a photo of a gorgeous, young, lumptuous model. I showed him her trendy new cut, and I wanted it. And then I settled into the chair as he began humming a very catchy tune. And he went to work on my thinning, graying hair. I was delighted by his cheerful attitude until I recognized the melody of the song he was humming. It was the theme to Mission Impossible. (laughs) Some messes can't be fixed. You know, every year, I don't know if you know this, that during the four weeks of Thanksgiving to Christmas, garbage collection rises 6.25 pounds per person per day. Let me say it again. You thought about, man, you need to go on a diet, right? We're talking about a garbage diet. For four weeks, on average, in this country, You ready for this? Garbage collection rises 6.25 pounds per person per day. With our population around 330 million, that means, you ready for this? 2,887,500,000 of pounds of garbage get generated per week in this country alone. That's crazy. Then there's the After Christmas, 7 million trees will get hauled to the dump. Now, this one will surprise you. Did you know that in Europe, all trees get hauled to the dump? Almost all trees, including artificial ones, because they don't want to take them down and put them back in the box. The artificial tree cell is out of this world in Europe because they just don't want to deal with it. 
That's just crazy, isn't it? Seven million trees will get hauled to the dump. 38,000 miles of ribbon will be thrown away, which would tie a bow around planet Earth every year. And enough wrapping paper that would cover 45,000 football fields. And I haven't begun to talk about all the boxes, bows, and bags. It's crazy. Now you say, why do I say that? Because I think it's a picture of you and I. Spiritually. Imagine a Christmas in reverse. You know, we start with a little baby in Mary's arms. And it moves quickly to where family gathers with friends and boxes and bags and everything gets ripped open. And all of this Christmas and then we got to figure out what we're going to do with it. And we start wadding it up and throwing it in bags. And come Monday when you start looking and driving around town out in front of everybody's house is going to be mounds of garbage. Imagine if we could reverse it. Mounds of garbage gets put in bags. From the floor goes back around the box. And it's all nice and quiet back to a little baby. See, God knew that we were a mess. Beyond all of the physical, spiritually, we're a mess. I read about a pastor who was actually playing Santa at his hometown shopping mall in Mississippi. So here's the pastor all dressed up as Santa. And of course, child after child is coming forward, jumping up on his lap, reciting an exhausted list of their wants. But it was one particular boy who grabbed his attention It was that little boy when he looked at him and he said, have you been a good boy this Christmas? Little boy said, no, I haven't. I'm not going to be either. (laughs) And truth be told, he's right. Neither will you and I. Nor ever can we. I want to say it again. You try all you want to be good. You'll never be good good enough. See, there's a sadness in our American church today. We've learned how to mask the reality of who we are. I'm saddened because in some ways the church isn't safe and the church should be safe. I should be able to stand up here and puke my guts out about things that I'm dealing with and, and the first response of God's people should be putting hands out and beginning to pray, God, you just be with Pastor Keith. We love him. But that's not the reality in this church. And I'm not saying specifically this one. I'm talking about the American one. And so we've learned how to be professional. We've learned how to model to the world something that isn't real when underneath we're really struggling. We're really hurting. We don't like the thoughts that we have to deal with. We don't like it sometimes when we're driving and we react to someone cutting cutting us off and then we're like, where'd that come from? We don't like it, guys, when we watch something on television and all of a sudden we're having thoughts we shouldn't be. We don't like it when we're harboring a grudge with someone and we don't know what to deal with it, but we feel alone in it. A church should be a place where we can just share because we're really struggling, folks. None of us are good enough. None of us ever will be good enough. 
nothing about us. I mean, let me just, again, I caution, I shared that, just caution, but listen, in the last 40 years in this country alone, violent crimes have increased 280%. Almost 10% of Americans now have at least one addiction. Now, what they're saying in this study is it's been uncovered. How many don't even admit it? When they say over 80% of men struggle with pornography. But who's talking, right? As long as you don't get caught. If the neighbor doesn't know, then I must be fine. But the sadness is the devil does and so does God. Nothing's hidden in secret. But where do we get help? I look so bad if that comes to the surface. But I'll say it again. Almost 10% of Americans have at least one addiction. Now watch this. And less than 10% of them ever receive some form of treatment for it. In the last two decades, drug overdose deaths have more than tripled. And the sale of opioid painkillers has skyrocketed by 300%. And since the 60s, out-of-wedlock births have increased 511%, while marriage rates now continue to drop, couples who live together with no marriage commitment continue to rise. We're a mess. We're a mess. And that's what the Bible says. We've all wandered off. We've all gone our own way. We're one big, giant, what? We don't want to admit it, do we? Not even Mr. Clean can help in this one, folks. You oxy it all you want. The stains aren't going away. So I want you to say it again. I want you to own again. I'm a mess. Say it. I'm a mess. Look at someone and say, I'm a mess. Can you admit it? Can you admit it and own it? Folks, your pastor is a sinful mess. Your pastor deserves hell. There is nothing in me. There's nothing about me. Nothing. And when I say nothing, nothing. The needle won't even twinge. That will help me get into forever. But unto us born this day in the city of David was a Savior. And you know why? For God so loves. For God so loves. This is why Christmas. This is why Christmas. This is why Christmas. Because without Jesus, all we would have is one big Christmas. That's all we'd have. I mean, I, I, have we ever stopped? What is the point? I mean, let's not recite what we know. Let's, let's erase the Jesus thing. What's the point of Christmas? Except you get a few days off of work. Oh, thank God. You get to hate out of family, but you know as well as I do. They're going to be leaving. Thank God. It's only for a moment. It's only for a season. I mean, what's the point? 
If it's really about Christ, why the worry? Why the stress? Why, why, why? It's Christmas. There's no celebration without Jesus. And the read Jesus came because God saw our mess and he loved us so much. He cares. He looked down and saw your marriage struggling. He saw your kids going wayward. He knows those thoughts. He knows that loneliness. And God from heaven said, I love them so much. I don't want them to experience that. I don't want them to feel alone. I want to give them the marriage that they so long for. I want them to experience the family that they really, really want. And he looked around to heaven and said, none of you will do. And he looked at his only son, but you will. And his son said, okay, I'll go. Christmas. See, we're a mess, but the second key to Christmas is in our mess, he has a message. He has his message. The birth of Jesus was God's proclamation. My son is the king of kings. My son is the Lord of lords. His birth, his life, his death will fix everything that sin ruined. And I'll thrust it upon his shoulders. Paul would begin his letters, his three letters to the churches of Galatia, Philippians, and Ephesians, Colossians. Do you know what he'd begin it with? Grace and peace from God our Father and from his Son, Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sin of the world. Come on, someone give you an amen. amen. Folks, this is the good news of great joy that the angels pronounce that shall be for all people. And it's throughout the Bible. This is why I read the Bible. All throughout the Bible. Mess, mess, mess. David was a mess. Saul was a mess. Joseph was a mess. Abraham was a mess. Paul was a mess. Peter was a mess until they met Jesus. And God who so loves took their mess and he can take yours and turn it into his message of hope and redemption. Paul would write in Romans 5, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Notice, even greater, even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, will live in triumph over sin and death. Notice it doesn't say by our good works, by our good intentions, by being a good person. Here's what it says. You will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. What's his name? Jesus Christ. You know this past week, Mariah Carey, love Mariah Carey's voice. I love great voices. This week, Past week, Mariah Carey was recognized for her song, All I Want for Christmas is You. I'd sing it for you, but it's Christmas. We give gifts, okay? <laughs> One billion streams on Spotify alone. And it won't do her any good to get her into heaven. Warren Buffett, just a few miles to the south, 
is worth more than $1 billion. Not one cent will help him get into forever. When he, she, and I'm not using them in a negative way, it represents all of us. You just as well be poor, you just as well be tone deaf when you stand before God. Because the only hope any of us have is Jesus. When we're willing to admit, I'm a mess, and we don't like to admit that in America. That's why we point and blame and compare. I've shared before with you in the book In a Grip of Grace by Max Licato. One of the things that he writes in there, and I remember this, he talks about the unfairness of God's grace, and he shares the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Some of you young people have no clue what I'm talking about, but over in Milwaukee many, many years ago, there was a man over there that actually killed people and then ate them. And we think, how horrific. And Max Licato goes through the entire chapter talking about Jeffrey's story and talking about the fact that, thank God I am not him. But he says, story has it that while Jeffrey Dahmer was in prison, he gave his heart to Jesus. And if that's true, Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven. And we don't like that. And he says that. We don't like that. We don't like to say that, well, I didn't, I didn't kill people. I never ate a human, a human being. And they broke into his apartment. They found actually a human heart hoarded in his refrigerator with other body parts. It's horrible. You know, you think about it, it's horrible. But if it's true that he actually repented of his sin, Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven. And then we sit here, we don't like that. But we're all in the same boat. And we don't like that in this country. But the reason we compare and we look at that and say, well, at least I'm not that bad. And the answer is, actually, you are. Because I don't care how good you think you are. You're heading straight to hell unless you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If I'm wrong, then throw your Bibles away. All of this is just a bunch of foolishness. Because my Bible says all have sinned and that sin, regardless of how big you think it is, separates you forever from God. And he knew that. And in his love, he said, I, I don't want that. And he gave us a gift, Christmas. He gave us Christ. A Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. The solution is Jesus. Exactly what we needed, the message of Christmas. But watch this. For this to happen, we have to receive, and it's number three key, the miracle. We're a mess. But he has a message, a message of hope. But you've got to receive the miracle. I'm sure you remember the comedian Yakov Smirnov. Remember that Russian that immigrated to America? What a country. He was asked what he loved about this country. He says, I go to the grocery store, I walk down an aisle, and I see something called powdered milk. On the label it says, just add water and you get milk. Right next to it I see powdered orange juice. 
And it too says, just add water and you get orange juice. Then I go a little farther and it says, baby powder. And I thought to myself, what a country. (laughs) If it only worked that way. If it only worked that way, but it doesn't. But see, I think that's also one of the things that Satan has gotten us all messed up in. We find out that the doctor says that we got cancer. And we begin to pray and the cancer doesn't go away. I thought he was a miracle working God. Our child's been wayward for decades and we have prayed and I don't even know if I want to keep praying. I I was told he was a miracle working God. My husband lost his job and we can't make ends meet. I've heard the stories and I pray and I go to the mailbox and there's no money in there and we know we're going to lose the house now. I was told he was a miracle working God. But I want you to listen to this. Your marriage may be a mess and it's been a mess. I want you to look up here. Unto you has been born a child. Your finances may be a mess. I want you to look up here. Unto you has been born a child. Your personal life may be a mess. Things you've hidden and shame has just beat you down with. When you look up here, unto you has been born a child, a savior. And it's Christ the Lord. Romans 3 says, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He made us right. He didn't say he's going to make it right like that. He made it right. He did it through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, the shedding of his blood. Please hear this. The greatest miracle right now is not that you get what you want. The greatest miracle of Jesus is when you allow him to take your mess, forgive the sin, cover you with grace, adopt you as his child, and give you eternity forever and ever. So the doctor says you're going to die of cancer. Maybe God says, I know. And when you do, you're going to live with me forever. What greater miracle is that? Pastor, for decades, my child has been running aimlessly and I've been praying. I know. I know. But look how close we've gotten together, you and I, and all those prayers. I'm not done yet. I got you.
See, the miracle of my life is not what I get when I'm going through the struggle. The miracle in my life is who I get to walk it with, that he will never leave me and abandon me, and I get to be with him forever. See, too often people in the church, when they're looking for a miracle, they don't even realize they're looking for something that they can get, and they're missing what they really need. See, that's the miracle of Christmas. That on the cross, he took a care of the sinful mess. But while we're on this side of heaven, he says, you won't be alone as you walk through the mess. And one day, it'll be an amazing thing. See, we're a mess, but he has a message, a message of hope. But you've got to receive the miracle, the miracle. You really want the temporal cure or do you want the eternal promise? Sometimes it's both. But when he does the instant, it's all for his glory and that you would tell others so you can see the wonder of who he is. Do you see what I'm saying? Here's number four. I'm going to ask Ryan to come to the stage. We're a mess, people. God so loved the world, he gave us a message. You're going to have to receive the miracle, but when you do, you ready for this? This is the best part about Christmas. You get to become his masterpiece. Now, let me tell you about a masterpiece because it has two key components. First, a masterpiece is a thing done and or made with masterly skill. Okay? Now, don't miss this. Here's what this means. It means that a masterpiece is always dependent then on its master. Always dependent. Think about it. A piece of marble doesn't take the credit for Michelangelo's David. Michelangelo does. Right? A piano doesn't take credit for Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Beethoven does. All the credit goes to the master. But I told you, a masterpiece has two key components. The second is this. It was created to be heralded by others. Did you catch that? In other words, if you hide it, no one ever knows. See, that's the part that sort of just kind of messes with the world is when we're going through struggles and yet we just give praise to Almighty God because I'm his masterpiece. Yeah, but, but Keith, th this, is, this is happening to your life. That's happening in my life, but I'm not alone in this. I have the promise of his scriptures. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. To do the good even when it's going bad. To give him glory even though it doesn't seem all right. See, maybe right now your life doesn't look like a masterpiece. Maybe right now you don't feel very good about yourself. Can I give you a word? That's okay. That just tells me the master isn't done with you yet. 
See, it took Michelangelo four years to paint the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. Did you know that? It took Leonardo da Vinci nearly 15 years to complete his Mona Lisa. The Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris was started in the 12th century and it took 300 years to be completed. How much more valuable and greater of a work are you to God than those? He didn't die for a ceiling. He didn't die for a painting. He didn't die for brick and mortar. He died for you and I. For his most prized possession. Don't get lost in your circumstance. Christmas was about getting lost with Christ. Don't get skewed by what's happening around you. Be renewed by what's happening within you. See, that's what Christmas is all about. Don't give up on God. Because he hasn't given up on you. He always finishes what he starts. He always keeps his word. See, that's the story of Christmas, the, the beauty of it. We're a mess. We're a mess, people. Best thing you can do is look in the mirror and say, man, I'm a mess. Like, I don't deserve anything, but God in his infinite love says, I know. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you because I love. I have a message. You matter. Will you receive my miracle? No one else that I know of ever died and rose from the dead. And if I can do that with my son, I can do that with you. It might be three seconds. It might be three days. It might be 30 years. But I'm a miracle working God, but it's not miracles the way that you understand them because I'm doing something bigger than you because it's not about you, it's about me, my love for you. And I'm working on a masterpiece. So the world might not behold it right now. Maybe you don't see it, but that's okay. One day they will. You see, the Mona Lisa wasn't worth a whole lot when he finished. It was personal and he was asked to do a favor. But today it's worth millions. The artist didn't get to hold on to that. But it's priceless to whoever has it, right? How much greater are you You know, this little old boy might die and no one ever acknowledge anything I've ever even done that made a difference. But who knows, 300 years from now, 400 years from now, if the world's still floating about, there might be a story about this little goofy kid named Keith Loy and the ripple effects that it's made for the kingdom of God. And the same is true for you. I will not let the world write my press when my God already has. And I'm his masterpiece. And so are you. So are you. So we're a mess. But he has a message.
He gave us a miracle. Will you receive it? And so we get to be priceless. We said yesterday, I don't know if you were here, but we're flipping everything around. And I think some of you were. So I want to ask, so how's your Christmas? That's right. That's our new word. Because people are going to ask, how was your Christmas? And so many people go, oh yeah, we had family and they're going to describe it. But see, for us, Christmas wasn't the end of anything. It was the beginning of everything. And so our new statement around here is when someone asks me, how's your Christmas? I don't know yet. It's just getting started. Because it's 365 days a year. See, he has a message. He has a miracle. And I'm his masterpiece. That's what he said in Luke. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because I have been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. I have been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's what I close with and we're going to take communion. I'm going to bring this all together. I want to give you a thought. So we keep Christmas before us. Not letting it be another one behind us. I read about a pastor who went to see a couple in a church, and I thought this was a great idea. It was early March. As he was talking with them, he noticed a Christmas ornament hanging from a bookshelf. The lady saw him looking at it, and she quickly said, Oh, pastor, listen, we haven't forgotten. You see, every year, pastor, when I put all the decorations away, here's the idea. I choose one to leave behind on purpose and I put it in a place to remind me that Christmas is not just one day or one season of the year for me it's a lifetime the ornament that I chose this year is a reminder that Jesus gave me the greatest gift of all and he walks with me every day of my life I'm just wondering when you get ready to put some things back in some boxes maybe that's what we need to do as well right just have a reminder, whatever it is. I don't know what that is for you. My wife and I are talking about what it is for us. But everywhere I need to put it, put it on my desk, whatever I need to do in my car, I just want to be reminded. But it also opens up, if you put it in a public place, to do what this lady did. You get to tell someone again about Christmas. Why do I want to wait till next year? When today, tomorrow, every day, I'm around people who need to hear the story of Christmas. And I get to be that miracle. And you do too. I want to be that church. Amen? I want to be that church. You were given a cupcake. Is that right? I want you to take it. I want you to take out that cupcake. There should be a candle in it. Is that right? I want to have a word of prayer as I'm praying. When you're praying, you just need to know you'll hear some people moving. There's some people are going to come in the aisles with some candles. They'll be holding them. Just hang in there. We're going to light these, these candles up for a moment. I'm going to show you something about Christmas and Easter and bring this together, okay? We're going to turn off the lights so we can see how dark it is because we live in a dark world where people need Jesus. Normally we do this as a candlelight service at Christmas Eve, but see, to me, we flip the script. So Christmas Eve is today, the day after Christmas, not the day before, because there was no Christmas Eve until Christ was born. And what a moment to celebrate and thank God for the gift of light.
in Jesus, what that means to me, but the gift he gave us in death on the cross and his resurrection. You'll see that in a moment. So let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for the incredible gift of Jesus. God, I pray that as we walk through the next few weeks in this series on Christmas, about what's before us, not what's behind us. Sure, I get it. When we have a holiday like this, that family comes in and they'll have to go back home, people go back to work. I get all that. What I don't get is when it seems like it made no difference. And that's what's got to change. That's what's got to change. And I, Lord, it doesn't start from outside. It starts with each one of us in this room. This incredible gift of Christmas. So God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says. Amen. Now I want the lights to come off in this church. So bring them off. And I want to go ahead and start lighting the candles. Pass it down. Someone will light yours. Pass it down. We did test this. These candles will burn long enough. You'll be okay. They also burn and evaporate as they do, so be leaving very little wax, if any. But I want you to notice as you're lighting these candles, notice the darkness in the room, but watch what Jesus begins to do in our lives individually when we begin to pass the light to someone we love. Do it a little bit slow. Those, they'll blow out pretty quick. You might have to put your hand up. And I'm welcome if you want to turn behind you. Look around this room and look how it will slowly begin to light up as each candle is lit. See, this is the story of Christmas that you and I have Jesus within us. We're not to keep it to ourselves. We're to what? Share it with someone else. You might stop and go, yeah, but if I share it, they might think I'm an idiot. That's fine. Let me tell you what an idiot is. An idiot is someone that goes through life and doesn't know Jesus and ends up in hell. Okay? See, I'm not offended by people pushing away from me. I'm motivated by the Jesus within me. This is why I teach and preach the way I do. I know that there's things we say can be hard, but it's the word of God. I've had people say, well, they're not going to come back. I, I can't decide that. But, I, but they're not going to stay if they don't know Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not about keeping and building a church. It's about people finding Jesus and becoming the church. And that's different. And the truth is what sets you free. And the truth isn't always easy to hear. Look around the room. I understand it's still dark, but imagine if this room was packed, more and more light filling it. It would light it up, wouldn't it? It'd be beautiful. It'd be magical. It's like, to me, the welcome center. It's like a Disney moment. And I love that, the magic of Christmas, the beauty of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it and look at that candle for a moment. Because Christmas yesterday was Jesus' birthday, wasn't it? You know, we gather around with our children and we tell them what, to blow out the candles. So here's what I want you to do. Don't do it yet. I want you to first of all say with me, just in your quietness of your own heart, you can say it out loud. But look at that candle and say, happy birthday, Jesus. And in the count of three, I want you to blow out the candle. One, two, three. And the world goes black. And I was hoping to keep it that way. Sorry, team. Can we bring it back down? Light screens off. 
This is what the world looks like from God's perspective. That ought to matter to us. This is why people's marriages struggle because they can't see where they're going. This is why people's families struggle. This is why individuals struggle because they can't see where they're going. Because the Bible says it's dark. That's why he made us light. But for that to happen, we have to understand that the gift of Jesus coming needed to be fulfilled in the cross that he would die for our sin. So I want to bring the light up now. And so you're looking at Jesus' birthday cake, aren't you? Take the candle, if it's still there, just take it out and put it on the floor. You're not, it's a concrete floor. It's not going to burn the building now. I always say this, though. And if it does, that's okay. We'll just build another one. It's just a building. I care more about you than I do bricks and mortar people. But we have a birthday cake. It's Jesus' birthday cake, right? And his birthday cake is my body broken for you. You just celebrated his birthday. But now I want you to take the cupcake and I want you to eat the body of Christ and the gift he gave you on the cross. And as you do, can I tell you what heaven is saying? Happy birthday, you. Because the greatest birthday you have is when you give your life to Jesus. It wasn't the day you were born. It's the day you figure out why and learn why you were born. Because you were not an accident. I don't care how you came into this world. You were not an accident. God allowed it and you were still handcrafted by the Almighty for a divine purpose for this time, this place, this season to make an eternal difference for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Isn't it amazing? A birthday cake becomes his body broken for you. He didn't come to be born. He came to die and rise again. I love Christmas. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. Father, I thank you. We adore you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.